Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Longtime college football coach, former Baylor defensive coordinator Phil Bennett, with us on 365 Sports. Has USC called? <laughs> you know... I watched that game along with a, a lot of people and sort of predicted that situation. Well, so, wow. yeah, they, they made the move. You're a longtime defensive coach. You've been a head coach. Uh, they've given up like an average of 45 points over the last month. That doesn't include some of the other games. Is there just a point in the season where you just got to cut bait? And I hate to use that. That sounds so negative, but and move on. And why now? Well, the, har- the hardest thing to do as a leader is what's good for the whole and not the few. And, and I-, I-, I think Lincoln was trying to be fair. I think he was trying to be objective. But it just came to a point. I have a friend on the staff out there. It, it just came to a point where the kids weren't responding, and it was obvious in that game. You get a team that's a – I don't know if you know this, but they were Washington was 113 – in the country and rushing the ball mm-hmm. and, and, and rushed for almost 400 yards. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy. Mm. Yeah, Johnson had never had more. He had 100 yards in one game, nothing ever close to that, and he goes off for 256. That's, that's a bad deal. Coach, who's a young coach, a defensive coach in this country that you think is due for a hit at, at, like a, at a USC or somewhere that people may not know about? You know, I'm going to tell you something, and and you can look around, and and, and you, you sit there and say, what about this guy, this guy? Uh, the guy, and Kirby has him. Kirby had him as an assistant, uh, but the coordinator that's co-coordinator at Georgia right now is uh, he's a young guy, and he's really a good football coach. He is uh, – he does a lot of things. Of course, he's in Georgia, and I don't know if he's calling it or if uh, the former uh, Florida coach is calling it. But but that, they've done a good job. And there's there's a lot of guys around that are that are just earning their spurs right now. You know, it's going to be interesting. But but uh, the guy at Michigan might be out of the job here. Uh, that's, uh, what's his name? Minner. Yeah. So they'll find guys that fit what they want. Uh, I, I just I just know this. They have better players than they're playing. 
And, and I've said this for a long time, coaching matters. And, and obviously, uh, unfortunately, they're not getting coached to the level they need to be. Think uh, is Glenn Schumann the guy you're thinking of, along with Muschamp? Glenn Schumann, yeah. His dad, Eric, was a good friend of mine and was the defensive coordinator for Cabin at SMU, a really good coach. Coach, uh, what did you think of uh, LSU and Alabama? It's it's amazing all these years later to see Big 12-style football from years ago be like the, the hot-to-trot thing to do nowadays uh, all over college football. But uh, what a shootout. Uh, not as much defense, but there was some. Just your thoughts on uh, that matchup of Titans out there in the SEC West. I laugh every time I see uh, Nick in a game like that. <laughs> yeah. I've told you the story of him in Shreveport that he wanted to talk. He goes, I know it's coming to us. We need to get together. I need to, we need to talk about this, what y'all are doing in the Big 12. And it's there. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, what, one of the reasons he's good is he adapts. He adapts. And he's not, he knows right now the thing they can do, they don't have a great tailback, not great receivers. They're, they're winning with that quarterback. And, and they're finding things for him to do. Uh, I think it's really exciting, you know, and unfortunately, uh, LSU is exciting on offense and, and is very similar to what USC is. That they're, I don't know if it's talent or just schematics, but they're really, really struggling on defense. It's hard for me to understand LSU ever not being good defensively because that's almost like in their blood when they hire somebody and or, or when they have somebody that they recruit that it's just the, the dudes that they have on that side of the football, but something is not working out uh, at all. On Back to Alabama for a second. If you're a defensive coordinator, you've now watched how Jalen Milrow has grown from who he was even against Texas, where he looked shaky, unsure. Now he seems to have confidence. How much does a quarterback's confidence with either passing or running strengthens because you become very confident the other thing you do well? Well, I think we talked about this. I have a friend on the staff, and and in their open day, uh, Nick got their offense together and say, "What can we do? What 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 can this kid do? You know, let's don't ask him to do what he can't do." And I think it's be- become obvious that they've taken their playbook, they've minimized it, and he is a true dual threat right now. His, you know, A and M is really good up front. They're good on defense up front, and in that game. I think he threw for 337 yards. And, you know, he throws a really good deep ball. They have found some intermediate throws that he does a really good job with. And I'm telling you, they have found his niche. And and it's obvious to me he's a different guy. He's comfortable. uh, And I think it's because they've limited what they're asking him to do. Yeah, they they've simplified that. Like, look, if the guy can run a four four uh, or a four three, and nobody can catch him, just call that play, right, Phil? Right, right. <laughs> you know, he a lot of times, twice in that game, uh, and I think Brian Kelly said this. They said, "Well, it was zone read." No, it wasn't. He got pressure, and he never set on his fourth or fifth step, and he was gone. And, and you know, they were playing some type of underneath man. The linebackers underneath coverage were running with with routes, and it was on. He, you know, and when you're that fast, it's a threat. 
Coach, uh, Bedlam had all the makings of a classic going in, ends up with an Oklahoma State win in what might be the final matchup for, for who knows how long. Um, they've got a special running back there in Stillwater, but I thought the, the offense played well in general. Just your thoughts on the Cowboys getting that big win over the Sooners and, and how that unfolded. As we talked last week, Mike Gundy and his staff are to be super commended uh, for where they were and where they are now. Uh, it's obvious that whatever they're doing, it, it's turned. They put the players in the right position. Their quarterback's better. They're playing lights out on defense. Uh, I, I thought the whole game that they pretty much could have taken the game over. Uh, and really, you know, I thought them winning the game, it wasn't an accident. The best team won. Uh, I think that, that he does a really good job. I think that, that uh, these guys, it was a big game for them in the fact they haven't won many of those bedlam. And with this being the last one probably for a while, uh, I think those Oklahoma State people are going to be walking around pretty proud right now. Bill, your thoughts about Texas on defense? They found a way. Uh, they may have gotten really fortunate with Kansas State to me in overtime. It looked like they were, you know, they were at the doorstep. They're ready to win the game. And, and then, of course, had the – uh, the blow-up play on fourth down. Uh, are they – they have players everywhere that can run and all that, but their defensive line is fantastic. Is their secondary vulnerable? They, they really are. You get a team that can throw the ball. It's going to be interesting this week in Fort Worth. Uh, it, this, will be, this will be a challenge for them. Uh, uh, everybody's not counting on TCU being able to do things. Kendall can work some things against them that will give a problem. Uh, and I think I think it would be a much better game than what they anticipate. Now, obviously, uh, I'm still confused. I like the coach at K-State. Uh, they had totally dominated the second half. Mm-hmm. And, David, I did not understand fourth and six going for it. When you had, if you hadn't played well and you've been struggling the second half, I say, yeah, you got you got to take a chance. But they had dominated the second half, had just held them to a field goal. Yep. You know, that game needed to be extended, and they could impose their will on them. Uh, I, I thought that was a crucial mistake. Coach, I, I thought so as well, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier, and I went and looked, and, and Kleiman said in his postgame that his guys were just tired and, and that he felt like they, they had the right play call and that they needed to just strike there and, and try and end the game. Have you ran into that situation, I would imagine, before, of just like, hey, we, we need to finish this thing, or is that a situation that you saw where, hey, you just got to give it a little bit more because we need to take this into a, into a second overtime? Well, we, we all know this, Craig. It's easy to second guess. Sure, but I, as I'm watching the game, I'm watching it as a coach, and I said, "Hey, if you get to the one or two yard line, absolutely. That 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 is a um, that's a situation that I, I'm I'm going to go for it. But if it's fourth and six, and I had thought the quarterback had tailed off a little bit in throwing the ball, so so I'm thinking, you know, kick the field goal, play defense, you, you know." I thought Malik really calmed down. He, he was very average the second half. Lost his rhythm, and I said, you can win this game. You know, I remember one time at Notre Dame, we played five overtime. And I remember one time, it was the longest game in Notre Dame in Pitt history. And they had uh, some really good players. And I remember they once said, tell me, said, Phil, should we try to, to end this game right here or keep it going? 
And I said, Dave, we've got their number right now. I said, I don't think they can score on us a touchdown. Field goal, yes, but I don't think they can score. And, and we played it out, and we were tired. We played over 115 snaps, but yet we won the game, and I think it was the right thing to do. Bill, uh, Baylor beaten by Houston. It's a bad loss. All the losses, other than Texas, obviously very good. And uh, and, and now they're on the road against a pissed-off Kansas State. Uh, on the road against TCU, they never beat TCU. I think one of the last times was 61-58. Then Charlie Brewer got them, too. But they ended home against a team that likes to just beat people up in a way in West Virginia. What is it like when you are facing what could be three and nine, the expectations much higher than that. And as a coaching staff, when you hear the storm swirling. You know, I, I think without question, I, bunker mentality, it's about us. We're the one in the storm. We're the one, we're the only people who can get out of the storm. You know, you, 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 you've got to shut your ears to the noise. Everybody's got an opinion about the coach, about the players, about the quarterback, and you've got to have a bunker mentality of saying, you know what, I'm going to find a way to get better these next three games, and, and we still have something to prove, which I, I believe that. Of course, I'm a longtime coach, and I, and I would always say that. But I think the coaches, and I think they're all smart, good, tough guys, can lead that, and they can be the – they can be the voices of what they want done. Uh, and I think Dave can't keep his hands in his pocket and he can't, he can't be mild. He's got to let those kids know. There's still a hey, big game at Manhattan, uh, big game at, at, in Fort Worth, uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to beat West Virginia. There's still a lot of games to play and, and to play for. And I think you have to have that bunker mentality, you know, and, Stay away from the woe with me. We could have done this. Could have, should have. Who's mm-hmm. getting fired? Who's staying? Don't worry about that. You know, it's the here and the now. That's what you've got to deal with. And it's got to come from these coaches. It's got to come from Dave Aranda. And, and he's got to show that he's got control of this group. And and, and I know they're those type guys, and I hope to, to see it happen. Phil, what do you think is going to happen with Jimbo Fisher now that they're five and four and they have to win out to get back to that baseline of what they have been under him and Kevin Sumlin of eight and four? I've said the whole time when A and M hired Jimbo, they hired a five and six coach. That's what his record was, and I think Bill Parcells says it. Unfortunately, you are what your record are, and then they give him a. a extend the contract when the AD supposedly was going to hire him at LSU. Uh, people say, oh, you can't pay off $75 million. Well, listen to me. They could pay it off last year. If, if, they, if the powers to be see that they don't see the progress, you know, with, with what's going on, that they'll make a change. Now, with that said, I thought they played the best game uh, now, the, the Ole Miss got after them defensively, but offensively, they showed up. Uh, they played tough. They played the, the, they uh, fought adversity and just weren't quite good enough and didn't have the playmakers to win the game. 
you know, the, the, you look at Ole Miss, Ole Miss had a, a portal guy from Louisiana Tech that we played against at North Texas. That's going to be a first round pick. He literally made some catches that, that only first round picks make. And A&M, you know, they competed, uh, but people are tired of it. They're, you know, it's the ninth game in a row on the road that they've lost. And, and, and they, with the money they spend here, and also at Baylor, uh, I think you got to be careful saying, that, well, we competed. You know what? It's not about competing. It's about finding a way to win. And it will be interesting it's just to see what these people uh, at the end of the year. Now, I will say this. they got three games. They got Abilene Christian, Mississippi State, definitely win two of them, and they're very capable of beating LSU, especially with LSU's defense. If something were to happen, LSU's quarterback, A&M could definitely win this. But uh, it's going to be an interesting scenario, along with a lot of other other people. Coach, I know you got to experience a little bit of this uh, with, with the portal uh, when you returned there, um, but – I think of, of Baylor or, or any other school for that matter, but them in particular, and you look at like, hey, they got a you know a nice group in the secondary that, hey, in three or four years, they could be sensational. They've got this or that that's nice, but <laughs> in the portal area, you can't bank on year to year anymore. Like, those guys no. are all probably getting DM'd from schools all over the country. Caden Jenkins, they're, you know, the young secondary. Yeah, so like, yeah. I mean... I mean, where do you begin even with that? Can you even imagine having to go through that? And I know you had to go through that a little bit, but just a year-after-year basis, how different is that from years past when you could kind of bank, okay, well, at least these guys will progress and evolve, and we've got them under our wings for two or three years? It's a new day and time. And you right now, right now, you know, people, there used to be a saying when I was a young coach, also, you know, people remember college football, people remember November. What you better remember is start recruiting the kids you want back now. Don't think about the ones you don't have. Be re-recruit the kids that make a difference in your program right now. Know what's going on. And you're right. People can say what they want to, but they're getting DM, they're getting friends, they're getting former coaches. Um, it, it is a free-for-all. And, and everybody, just like in the world, is trying to better themselves. And if you're not involved, uh, I think you can see at Clemson right now. I think you're going to see something change there because Clemson's going to be involved. You know, you're not in the portal. You better get in the portal because that – and I, I hate it because I really think it's affecting high school recruiting. You ask every high school coach, mm-hmm. he said, we're not getting recruited as hard as we used to because everybody feels the need to win now. Yeah, we can't wait two years to develop. Uh, you, you mentioned develop. You better have some strong support. Phil, i got a question for you, if you don't mind, one more on, on uh, Baylor and Dave Aranda. Um, Craig kind of shared something with me. There was a maybe an interview with a couple of guys. One guy's in recruiting. Another guy's a co-host of a podcast about when Dave Aranda was a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, we knew, you knew, he knew what type of players they were going to get, and they were going to reload on that side of the ball every single year with pretty much, like, who they were. And then at LSU, like I said earlier, it's hard to imagine their defense because they've got some alphas. They've got some dudes they got a now. great pool. They've got an incredible pool. Louisiana, Houston, et cetera, and the South. Florida. Florida. How much 
Do you think that Dave Aranda is trying to learn how to construct or develop, as that word, or try to put together an entire roster on both sides of the ball? And how much of a challenge is that for someone who's been mainly 100% defensive coordinator? Roster management has jumped to almost equal to coaching ability. You have to evaluate and you have to have roster management at the top of your list because of what we just discussed between NIL, the portal, uh, you know, and, and I'm telling you something. I will tell people, I would never, all these recruiting coordinators, they're never going to pick one of my guys. Everywhere I've ever coached, of course, I'm older, I've been, I tell them, I told Art when I went there, I'm picking my coaches, I'm picking my players. I'm not, I'm not going to take somebody else's player. Uh, and one of the things I was awful proud of at Baylor, we knew we probably weren't going to get five-star players on defense. We were a five-star offense. But we picked guys, the Eddie Lackey, uh, the Taylor Young, uh, the, the uh, Smith, the D lineman. We, uh, we, we got a cable, and we got Billingsley. He was a big get. But we took and managed guys that, that, had, that were able to be what we wanted. They might not be five stars, and that's what that Baylor's got to do. Baylor's got to look at that portal, and they've got to say, all right, and, and, you know, maybe not look at what, what Michigan has. Or, hell, I'm telling you, you can go to eastern New Mexico. You can find football players if you evaluate. And I don't care, offense or defense, whoever, if it's Jeff on offense and Dave on defense or Matt, you have to evaluate and you got to hit on the talent. I don't see right now, I don't see a dominant D lineman, a dominant linebacker. Or, uh, the two best guys in the secondary you mentioned earlier are freshmen. Mm-hmm. On the offensive line, we, we, we don't have an offensive line that, that, that you would say, hey, is a great player. Uh, we're average at running back, uh, maybe slightly above at receiver. We don't have a lot of playmakers. And that's the truth. And I think people have, I, I don't know about y'all, but it's come to that point where, where you better realize it because this recruiting is going to be big. Uh, we, Paul Catalina and, and I, we still absolutely deserve an asterisk on the Andrew Billings commitment. I just saw where he got a new contract. Yes, I he just did. laughed. He did. Yeah. I just, I just, let me tell you something. Anthony, his dad, and I, we still visit. That will be one of my, when I write my book, it's going to be one of my all time stories. I'd already told Art, he's going to TCU. Well, we're not going to get him. <laughs> uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to plug Ahmad. Ahmad saw him before he went into that with y'all. And y'all, too. Y'all helped. I mean, I don't know what it was, but what a joy he was and is. Uh, I don't think – I'll tell you, we just gotten back from New Orleans in the Super Bowl, and I had uh, acquired a stomach bug of which I have never seen the equal. And I sat there. I thought he must have thought, like, what the hell is wrong with yeah. Paul? I was <laughs> he dying. Just, he just thought you were pissed because he was about to pick DCU. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah the, the Phil Bennett phone call in the parking lot at the station – Oh, is still legendary. Can't wait for that to be a part of the book. Can't wait for the book. Phil, can't wait till next Monday. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you.
This has been a Rogue Media Network production.